Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. And good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. Great to be joined by Casey McAllister. Paul Fritschner sitting in today for Brandon Seho. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Uh, doing good. Uh, everybody feeling good about themselves, at least in this room, because all of us, and we'll get to these picks later on. This is our big pick day. Okay, so we've got James Rapine coming up here shortly. Um, all Bengals all the time, right? We have Dan Horde coming up later. He'll talk about the Bengals a little bit, but also the University of Cincinnati game tomorrow. It's sold out Nippert Stadium against the Indiana Hoosiers. We have our buddy Zim Hooday coming up. Uh, but some of us are 1-0 out of the gate for this weekend, and some, Mr. Seho, are not. Yeah, he Brandon was very insistent that uh, the Steelers were going to pull that one off last night. And Casey and I, we were a little sharper. I think you were too, Tom. Yes, I was. Yeah. I can't wait for uh, the bet to come through on Tuesday. Yes. Stay on tuned Paul's for that. show where uh, Brandon has to take a pie in the face, is my understanding, with a cherry on top, thanks to UDF. I'm learning new things every day. We're here 10 to noon every single day. YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. Um, you can follow us on Facebook, Chatterbox Sports, available in podcast form wherever you get your podcasts from, uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, et cetera, et cetera. One thing I never knew uh, until just a few minutes ago, uh, because th this whole social media thing is brand new to me. And, and so I was wondering about people who have a big following. We're trying to promote this show and I'm running it by Paul and Casey, and they're looking at me like, uh, like I have four heads. But I, I really know nothing about social media. I've never been on it. I'm on it now at Tom Brenneman TV, Tom Brenneman TV, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, but about the etiquette, I guess, of social media, uh, where, uh, you know, you want to get some, some pro promotion for whatever it is you're doing. Uh, but you don't ask people directly to retweet your stuff. Is that is that accurate? Is that what you're telling me? That's true? Uh, I mean, I think generally that, that would be the, the social media norm, or at least on Twitter. Yeah, I would say yeah. so, probably. Yeah, when you are asking a big following to retweet stuff, that's generally frowned upon. Really? You, you, yeah, you want people to organically do it. Yeah, On their own? On their own, yeah. Okay. Well, now we know. Then I, sh I shouldn't have asked Sean Casey then, is what you're telling me. Well, I already I, crossed the line. If you Wouldn't have be a, the first one I've crossed, I can assure you of that. If you have a good relationship with them. Well, I have then... a great relationship with them, but I don't understand the social media thing, and now I'm learning, and, and now I'm a little uh, embarrassed. I know Sean is following the show and watching the show, so I want an apology for, uh, for doing that. James Rapine. Now, you talk about a guy who's got a following, and that's not a plug for him to be retweeting any of our stuff because I know that's unethical. But he's a publisher of uh, All Bengals, All Bearcats, uh, Locked on Bengals, a podcast, covers the team for Sports Illustrated. James, good morning. How are you on this Friday? Busy week this week. Yeah, busy week. I'm doing well. Ex excited for, for week three. Appreciate you having me. What are your thoughts on that conversation, just, just very quickly, because you are a big Twitter guy. You have a huge following somewhere in the neighborhood of, uh, what am I looking at here? Um, 
I don't know, 27, 28,000 followers on uh, Cincinnati Bengals Talk at YouTube. Uh, is that accurate, the information they're giving me, that you don't ask other people to do that? Normally not. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a little different when you're launching something new and, and you want to get it out there and you want to get the word out. So I think that matters a little bit. But, yeah, it's not like I'm asking for for retweets. I appreciate them and I hope I get a ton of them now because of this conversation, but yeah, it's it's not something that I do normally. Okay. All right. So now we're up to speed. Let me start with uh Collins. Uh where is he? He did not practice. Uh, I guess his back is bothering him a little bit again, something that that, that certainly uh plagued him during training camp and the preseason. Do you suspect he will start and play Sunday in New York? I do. If, if I had to make that guess, prediction, whatever you want to say right now, I think he, he plays, he suits up. And this could be about rest, resting that back. Because if you watch him the first two weeks, and a lot of people have been critical of him, and you know I, I get that, and you can find that in a lot of places. But he did deal and was dealing with a back issue during training camp. And he looks stiff. And it's not just me who says that. It's a lot of film analysts that watch offensive line play for a living. They say that he looks stiff. He's not moving as well. Well, anybody that's had any sort of back issue knows that that could be part of it. So maybe resting Wednesday, Thursday, and then he is expected to practice today. We'll see if he's out there. Maybe that'll do his back some good because obviously expectations, he hasn't met those expectations, put it that way, in the first two weeks. In your opinion, James, has any offensive lineman yet met expectations? Because it's, e it's easy to criticize the whole group. And, and I've been yeah. uh, very critical, like many others, to criticize the whole group. Uh, I know Pro Football Focus uh, had some relatively high marks for Volson, you know, at, at left guard. But is there anybody on that offensive line that after you go back and watch some of, uh, of the game tapes and, and the coaches' film, et cetera, et cetera, that you could say is playing up to standard so far? I actually think the interior has done a pretty solid job. Yeah. And they're going to be cha challenged again this week with Quinn and Williams of the Jets. So we'll see how I feel at Sunday at about 4.30 Eastern. But, yeah, I, I think that Cordell Volson has exceeded my expectations is certainly in week two. In week one, I thought he did enough. He didn't kill the Bengals, right? And he's a fourth-round rookie from North Dakota State. So you take that. Ted Karras has exceeded my expectations. He's been, in my eyes, the best free agent addition from an offensive line standpoint and probably their best free agent addition up to this point. And that's no knock on Alex Kappa. I think Kappa's been good. But everything you're getting with Karras, Karras isn't just performing well. He, he hasn't allowed a sack, according to PFF. But he's also a leader in that locker room and the guy that's kind of trying to stabilize the ship right now after an 0-2 start. And that's hard to do, you know, especially since he wasn't even on the team early March. So he's become a leader in that locker room, a captain. And so I like the interior. I think the interior is is fine. It's the the two tackles yep. that uh, have, have had tough matchups, but have also struggled in, in two weeks. That's where I was going with my next question before you brought it up, because the only player who is back as a starter along that offensive line from last year is the former number one pick out of Alabama, Jonah Williams. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts on his play even last year, uh, but now moving into this year, high expectations for him when he first came out, had the injury early on, 
Where do you think he is at the end of the day? Last year was his first fully healthy season, and I thought he performed pretty well overall considering the circumstances. It wasn't like, you know, the offensive line as a, as a whole was good last year, as we know. And so I was expecting him to take a step this year. And I think he's been okay or good about 95% of the time in the first two weeks. The problem, Tom, is that other 5% has been disastrous. The sack fumble week one against the Steelers. Another potential sack fumble last week that didn't result in that. It's just been really ugly whiffs and breakdowns. And so you just hope he can be more consistent and avoid those disastrous plays. Offensive linemen get beat. That's just the reality of it. But when he's gotten beat, it's been really, really ugly. And it stood out. And, and that's that has to change, I think, for him and for this Bengals offense if they want to function at the, the level that we expect them to. Well, let's talk about the offense for a minute. James, do you suspect or have you gathered anything from, I know it's, it's limited amounts of time that uh, the, the media is allowed into uh, practices uh, for both mm -hmm. the Bengals and around the NFL. But, you know, look, you have sources inside uh, the locker room as players, coaches, et cetera. Do you sense that there will be any sort of change in philosophy with this offense uh, going into week three? I think it's going to come down to a couple of things. And the first one is, what do the Jets do? Because the Jets, everyone's talking about this Tampa 2 and two high safeties and everything that they've seen the first couple of weeks. The Jets don't really run that. Uh, Robert Sala, uh, Sala does not run that defense. I think it has been about 16% of the time if you look at the advanced stats. And so it's like, okay, well, will he run that or will he do what he normally does, Would do what he did last year against this Bengals team, which the Jets beat the Bengals last year. And, and so I think that's part of it. But, yeah, they have to switch up how they attack too high, and I think they know that because they just they haven't been able to get going they haven't been able to get going early and get into a rhythm. And you can't go to New York and fall behind. And if, if, if they do that and they fall behind and it's 10-3 or 10-0 or 14-3, that crowd is going to be in it. They're going to be flying high. And so this offense has to get going. You know, they haven't scored a first half touchdown. They need to score a first quarter touchdown. So it doesn't matter if it's Tampa 2, cover 2, cover 1, cover 3. It doesn't matter the defense. This Bengals offense has to adjust. They have to be better, and, and they certainly know that. I want to ask you about Joe Burrow. Um, much was made, including on this show, uh, of the comments made by Jason Whitlock uh, this week. Uh, yeah. Joe Burrow had already uh, wiped out his social media accounts, and, and it was misrepresented in some circles that he did it on the heels of the critique made by Jason Whitlock. Um, do, do you think Joe Burrow ever hears any of that noise or is aware of any of that or cares about any of that, is affected by any of that? I know that's a, that, that's a lot of things rolled into one, but what are your thoughts about mm -hmm. that? I'm sure some things get to him, not many, because he's been in the spotlight for four years now, right, when you go back to the LSU days. So I think his friends and family know why send it to him. I think he is good about putting blinders on. Now he is going to see some of it. It's impossible not to. As far as it affecting him, I don't think so. I don't think he gives a damn about what Jason Whitlock says or what I say or what anybody says. Not that I'm putting myself in the same 
uh, category is is what he said this week because the Jason Whitlock stuff was ridiculous. But yeah, I I think uh, I think Burrow is is good at putting blinders up. He he said those relaxed comments because I talked to him afterwards. That was more based on our questions than it was social media outrage. And, and I talked to him a few weeks ago. He hasn't had social media on his phone, so I, I think that 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 part of it and it blowing up was kind of silly. But that's. Uh, the downside, I think, to social media is sometimes uh, it might not be factual, but it, but it'll blow up anyway because it's a story. Uh, the defense. Everyone would agree that the defense through the first two games has played more than well enough. Uh, had the offense even met 50% of expectations, heck, 30% of expectations, it's played well enough uh, to have won games. Um I saw where the Ravens went out and they signed Jason Pierre-Paul. They bring him in because they feel like their pass rush is, is, is not where it wants to be. I want to talk about that area specifically because, look, I know a lot of people say, well, yeah, the defense played well because they faced Cooper Rush last week. They faced Trubisky in week one. They've got Flacco now here in week three. But as far as the pass rush is concerned, do you think this team has enough to disturb what opposing offenses and especially good quarterbacks want to do? We'll see. And it hasn't been where it needs to be. That's been one of the, the more disappointing things, I would say, uh, about this team. And it's gone under the radar, but the fact that you have two sacks in two games and when you needed to get a play, when you needed to make a play late against the Steelers, when they're driving downfield for the game-winning field goal, you couldn't do it. When you needed to make a play late against the Cowboys to get it to overtime, you couldn't do it. This defense has been solid, but they haven't gotten a pressure and made opposing quarterbacks feel them, and they haven't forced turnovers. And so those are two big things that you have to do, regardless of how Burrow's playing, regardless of how the offensive line is. And so... Yeah, I mean, the defense, were they pretty good last week? Yeah, but they gave up two touchdowns to start the game. The crowd got into it. The momentum was all uh, pointing towards the Cowboys. They had the momentum throughout the game because of it. And they forced one turnover and had one sack. It's just not enough on the road when you're going to give up back-to-back touchdowns to start the game. So, yeah, they, they need Trey Hendrickson specifically to get the pressure that we saw last year. We haven't seen that yet through two weeks. So Sunday's... Uh, Going to be an interesting opportunity because you have a Flacco, a Joe Flacco, who doesn't move well in the pocket, who wants to stand back there, doesn't have a great offensive line, and throw the ball downfield. And so we'll see if they can get to him. And that's one thing the Jets have started to build. Um, and I know they were planning on building it around Zach Wilson, their number one pick a year ago, and he's been out injured, and there was some speculation he might be back next week. That remains to be seen. But they do have some guys on this team. Garrett Wilson uh, immediately comes to mind. Anybody who watched him play at Ohio State, you could tell this guy is a special dude. Alave and Smith and Jigma got a lot of the big pub. I thought of that group, Wilson was the best group. Some would disagree. I thought he was the best of that group. But uh, his first two touchdowns in the NFL came at Cleveland last week. They have some guys that can hurt you now if you give Flacco enough time to throw the ball. And Flacco can still hurt you if you give him enough time to throw the ball. He's not some washed-up stiff, I don't think. Do you? 
No, he's not. We saw it last week. If, if you better get to him and make him feel you, especially early, the last thing you want is Joe Flacco. You look up and he, he's seven of nine for 89 yards and a touchdown on the opening drive. And he completed three checkdowns to Brees Hall, one to Michael Carter. He pushed the ball downfield. They, they have Elijah Moore, who I think really liked coming out of yep. college, second year receiver in Jamar Chase's draft class. Corey Davis, former fifth overall pick. And then you mentioned it, Garrett Wilson. They have guys that, that can make plays. And so the the way to remedy that, obviously you can guard them. I, I get that. And the Bengals secondary should be up for that challenge. Or you could just get pressure on Flacco, force a couple of turnovers, take the crowd out of the game early, and, and really do what a lot of people should expect the reigning AFC champs to do against a Jets team that has a nice roster, but it is still building. And I, I still don't think they're ready to – know contend for the playoffs maybe i'm wrong maybe last week was the start of something special but i i don't think they're there yet no i mean last week was a miracle uh really when you stop and think about it <laughs> that did not occur in an nfl game being down 13 or more and coming back to win with less than 90 seconds left in the game hadn't happened in 21 years so that was truly a miracle but but, but they did it i mean you got to give them credit the bottom line is they mm -hmm. did it uh, and they executed on the onsides kick and so on and so forth. I ask you every week, uh, we're talking about a lot of things where if you're a Bengals fan or someone who covers the Bengals, talks about the Bengals, you're sitting here going, oh, man, I don't know about this, I don't know about that, and what about this one? Is the vibe pretty good down there? I, I know Burrow told everybody to relax. Um, but watching, you know, even Zach Taylor press conferences, there, there, there seemed to be a little more edge this week, perhaps rightfully so, when you start 0-2 and, and the subsequent questions that follow. But I ask you every week, does the vibe strike you as urgent, as not panic, but, but, but close to that? Or is it, hey, you know, everything they say is exactly how they feel. We're going to get this thing going. I think they feel that way, right? I, I also think that there, there's the urgency of, okay, well, if we're going to do it, let's do it. And, and that's what I, I would say. I mean, I talked to a player yesterday. He's like, nobody's pointing fingers because there's flaws up and down. I could blame the defense. I could blame Burrow, the offensive line. I could say that the receivers aren't getting open early enough. I could say Mixon's not making uh, good enough uh, cuts with the ball in his hands, and he certainly isn't pass blocking at a high level. I mean, you could blame everybody. And so they could do that. They aren't doing that yet. And so I think that's good. I think the vibe is good. I think they're confident. But I also think they know that if they lose against the Jets and fall to 0-3, that's as close to a season ender as you can have. And, and so it's a huge game. And they know they need to go out there and play the way they're supposed to. And so will they? I don't know. I thought they were going to do that in the first two weeks. Mm -hmm. it, it's really hard for me to be bullish on them now, even though on paper it's easy to be. But from what I've seen the past two weeks, why would I think that, oh, yeah, they're just going to go – to New York and handle business. So I, I still expect that because of the talent they have. And I think they're more talented than the Jets. And the vibe is good and, and trending that way. But I also get the fans out there that say, you know what? Until I see it, I really can't believe it right now after what, what's been eight quarters and an overtime of underwhelming football. Well, there's no doubt. And especially when you start looking at the schedule. I mean, everybody knew early on uh, mm -hmm. that, you know, the Steelers were not going to be playing with Ben Roethlisberger anymore. 
nobody knew about Dak Prescott. Everybody figured that game was going to be a challenge. But, but, but now all of a sudden, you know, you, you're looking at Baltimore twice. I think Cleveland's got a decent team. I really do. And, and I think when they get Deshaun Watson back, uh, James, I, you know, I watched him last night, and I think to myself, you can do a lot worse in this league than having Jacoby Brissett as your number two quarterback. They're two and one. And, and, and every mm-hmm. time they win a game without Watson, and he may come back rusty and he may come back and stink, but, but that's certainly not his track record. But, but everybody's talked about Baltimore and Cincinnati. I look at Cleveland and I think to myself, that defense, the personnel on defense, the pass rush, uh, the, the, the run game, I think the I think the Browns are a better team than people initially gave them credit for. You agree with that or no? I I, I think they're really good. You know, I, I think they're really good. They're really talented, and Amari Cooper's gotten going. I still think they they could use a second receiver there, but when you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, that helps hide that. That'll help hide some of the the shortcomings that Jacoby Brissett has. It's quarterback's best friend. That'll help hide Deshaun Watson's rustiness, and he probably will be rusty when he comes back. And so, yeah, I, I think they are pretty good, and they're going to be in this the mix for the division. The Bengals are going to have to go there on Halloween and, and handle business and, and get you know that game edge, that tiebreaker edge on them because who knows what they look like when Watson does come back. So, yeah, I uh, – I, I, you saw it yesterday, right? Amari Cooper, the way he's playing, the way Chubb's running. Kareem Hunt wasn't even a big part of it, and he's one of the best pass-catching backs in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So they have weapons, and, and they were able to, to, to use them to beat a, a Pittsburgh team that I think is okay. But now I think, man, you look back at that week one, and we're going to no do the doubt. same with week two against the Cowboys. And it's just like, how did you lose yep. to the Steelers? And 18 things went wrong, but, you know. They shouldn't have lost that game. No, you're spot on. I found myself, and I think a lot of Bengals fans, like you, like me, many, many other thousands and tens of thousands, they, they, they watch that Steeler team, uh, and they just say, how in the world do you lose that game against that team? Now, Watt was there, um, you know, until he got hurt. But, yeah, that's one I, I – anyway. Um, you're traveling when? Today, tomorrow, when you're heading to, uh, to New York? Are you staying in New York or are you staying out in Jersey? Jersey. Definitely Jersey. Um, but, yeah, uh, traveling tomorrow, going down to Paycor Stadium here shortly. We'll get the, the latest on Lyle Collins. So we'll see, you know, if he's able to suit up and practice today. I think he will, but, uh, but, but we'll see. But, look, Tom, it's a must win. As weird as it sounds in week three, you can't fall to 0-3 if you're the Bengals. No. There, there's no doubt about it. This is a must win or you will see that all the things you just said they're not doing now. The, the, those cracks will start to happen. Pointing fingers. All kinds of things conceivably could go on. Hopefully, that is not the case when we reconvene uh, early next week. James, uh, Godspeed. Safe travels. Thank you for your time. And, uh, and have a good weekend up there. Sounds good. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate you having okay. me. James Rapine, kind enough to join us and, and bring us up to date on everything that is the Cincinnati Bengals. All right. We got Dan Ord coming up at 11. I'm fired up for our picks today, boys. Now, how are we going to do this? Brandon is, uh, is not here. So how are we – is Paul going to substitute for Brandon? Is he giving him, like, his power of attorney or – 
Or uh, something? How does this work? Not quite. I'm actually going to have Brandon join the show. He's going to call in. He is. And he, he is going to make his picks from, from wherever he's at. But uh, I think we're going to also have Paul here rate some of our picks. I love it. He's going to give us a thumbs down or a thumbs up or something. <laughs> I and... love it. I love it. Hey, by the way, I want to give a shout out to some of the folks who have been diehard watching this show. And our numbers continue to grow all the time. I don't know, Dustin. But, um, Dustin, I can't thank you enough. I mean, he's on before we go on. Says, almost game time, boys. Let's go. He, he, he says, Casey, that I need a WWE intro. What exactly <laughs> does that mean? So, like the, like the wrestling intros when, like, the John Cena, you can't see me, you can't touch me intros, like when they're walking up to the state or walking up to the platform. You know what I mean? Tom, were you not an Attitude Era guy? No, but uh, I got to tell you, all of a sudden, I, I, I may have spoken too soon on Dustin because, you know, he, 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 here's what he says. Five seconds from the intro music builds from parts unknown. The tank top wearing, gritty hitting, not as hip as he thinks he is, but we love him anyways, Tom Brenneman. What in any form or fashion would make someone believe that I think I'm hip? I am a lot of things, some good, a lot not so good. One of them that I do not think of myself as being is hip. I don't know. You did the gritty. I mean, that's pretty hip. No, that was stupid. Tom, you did the gritty a <laughs> it lot. Wasn't, it wasn't hip. It was stupid. <laughs> you did it a lot better than I think people expected you to. Don says Cincinnati and the Bengals will be out of the conversation out of this week, after this week. No, they can't be. I mean, we're going to be talking about them whether they win or lose because there'll be a giant disappointment if they lose. So got to give it a couple more weeks before that happens. But they got to win this game. <laughs> they got to win this game no. for not just the people's sake, but for my sake. There is no doubt about it. For everybody's sake, this whole town, it'll be like the, uh, the world's coming to an end if they lose. 4.30, can you imagine 4.30 in the afternoon on Sunday if they get beat by the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets? I mean, yeah, it would not be a good situation, especially given the rest of the schedule like we've talked about so much. If you look at the last six games of the schedule, and we don't have to go into it because everybody that's listening and watching to this knows. Right. But – Boy, oh boy, Tom, no doubt. It, it would not I, – I hate, I hate having to say must win in, in a situation because it's like, okay, well, you still have the entire rest of your season ahead of you. So are you really telling me that if you lose this game, the whole season is over? But I think James is right. This is about as close to a must win as the Bengals have in a season, especially early in a season. Well, I think it would be a nice change of pace if you got the feeling that when they walked on the field, they were ready to play. I'm not going to try and make a living on this show of beating up Zach Taylor. But one thing, even last year, in the regular season alone, Joe Burrow in the fourth quarter or overtime had to bring them back to win a game. Far too frequently, this team has walked on the field and they just look like they're not ready to play. And more than anything else that a head coach does, you have got to have your team ready to play the second they step on a basketball court 
on a football field, on a baseball field, lacrosse field. I don't care what it is. You have to come ready to play and get your players ready to play. We'll find out if they're ready to play when they step on the field at roughly five minutes after one in the, uh, in the Meadowlands on Sunday. All right, picks time, boys. Bring your A game. Because somebody's about to make a major league comeback after a shaky first three weeks. Back in a moment. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I am trying to get off the bench after a poor start to our picks. We roughly every week, for those of you just joining the program for the first time, we'll go through, you know, five six, whatever, college games, uh, and we'll do the same thing in the NFL. Uh, we try to make sure that the local teams, by and large, and that can be defined in any number of ways. I've had a couple of people ask me about Louisville, as they say. I don't think anybody around here cares about Louisville football. Eh, no. I mean, they've been off the list. Kentucky, they're a top-10 team. They've earned it. And what they're building down there in Lexington. So they're in the mix every week. Ohio State's in the mix every week. UC naturally in the mix every week. Um, OU. The Ohio University. Parents weekend, I understand. I ran into uh, uh, a couple of women the other night, friends of ours that uh, have kids that are at school down there. They're so excited uh, to go to Athens. Nowhere like it in the world. Place is the best, bar none. Uh, so they'll be having lots of fun in A-Town, as we call it, on Court Street. Everybody be careful. Uh, and then in the NFL, we always do the AFC North team. So naturally, the Bengals. We did the Browns-Pittsburgh Browns, uh, game last night. Ravens every week. And then we'll find one, two, three other games in the NFL um, that strike our fancy, so to speak. So here we go. Let's uh, quickly... Just mention the fact that as Brandon Seho is joining us from his palatial estate somewhere <laughs> up in uh, the Hamptons. Is that where you are now? Are you up there uh, in uh, Martha's Vineyard where they're making sure that, uh, you know, only people like you are hanging out with them over there? No, I don't get to go fancy places like you. I'm in Oakley where I watched at a Browns bar last night and I had the Steelers. So uh, not great for me. No, definitely not. Casey, you and I, winners last night. I can't wait for that pie in the face with the cherry on top. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I, I found I, out about that when I got in that uh, there's some kind of bet. And I, this was done to me, incidentally, uh, during a bet I made back in my Reds broadcast days with Jeff Pecoro uh, about a University of Kentucky, Ohio University game. And I had to take a pie in the face. And apparently, you're about to uh, encounter the same. You know, I'm a good sport. Uh, Reed Mouse and Paul Frischner made it, made it a point on not too picky to uh, make sure that I was going to get some punishment for picking the Steelers. I was confident. They were so close. They're just covering. And then that fourth quarter happened. So whatever. It'll happen. It's fine. I'm a good sport team player. That's what it's all about, Chatterbox Sports. Amen. Amen. Big high school football. Hey, you see, I have your show on. I've been up watching since nine fifty nine. I even though I'm off, I've been a I mean, faithful viewer. Faithful <laughs> I viewer. I mean, this has become almost like Ellen. 
you know, no, or, uh, or, or, or Oprah, Oprah. or um, uh, the uh, no, what's uh, Kelly Ripa? What's her show? Is that her name, Kelly Ripa? Live, live yeah, with live Regis with... and Kelly. I mean, Regis isn't on there anymore, but yeah, I know. But she's got the other dude now. Um, is it Strahan or was it Seacrest? Is it oh Ryan Seacrest? Yeah. It was Strahan for a while. Now it's Seacrest. Yeah, Ryan Seacrest. Yeah, well, these ratings got to be better than Ellen. I know that. Well, yeah, we treat people nicer than Ellen. True. You're nice to me. That might change. All right, let's. Uh, here we go. Uh, uh, we're starting on the college front, right, Casey, yep. Paul? Yes. Yes. Okay, we're starting on the college front with uh, the Ohio State University Buckeyes. They are at the horseshoe. That uh, that line is now up to nineteen for the Bucks, and I am all over Ohio State on this one. C.J. Stroud's got all his guys back. Um, they are, are just now starting to, to kick things into gear. Uh, the defense is much better uh, than it's been in recent years. Uh, I think the Buckeyes cover. Casey? I also have the Buckeyes covering this one. Um, with everyone back, I think, uh, I think this is the game that they kind of blow up. And like you said before, when we were talking about Wisconsin can't score. They can't score. So... That's my thoughts on it. All right. Brandon? Paul, you're going to have to help me with my graphics early because I think I picked Ohio State, but I'm used to seeing the cheat sheet there before we go. Yes. Uh, the Buckeyes are definitely going to win. Um, they got to cover. Wisconsin's not that good. I hate saying that with Barry Alvarez coming on last week or earlier this week, but yep. Buckeyes are going to roll, I think. Okay. We all go straight across the board on Ryan Day's Ohio State University Buckeyes. Okay, next up. Paul, you like that bet, by the way? You don't like that bet. I, no, I, I, I will say I'm on Wisconsin in that game. And I, that's not like an on Wisconsin like the motto. I am saying that I would take Wisconsin in that game. I think, I think, I think your point is valid. I think Ohio State is going to just – I mean, I, I think 19 points is a massive win. But 19 points doesn't cover you this bet. Okay. All right. Uh, that's valid. So there's, there's zero valid on that. <laughs> uh, okay, we have Cle now, that, this is a really interesting game. Reed Mouse was in here earlier talking about this. Uh, I've been lukewarm on Clemson so far this year. They haven't played anybody. Um, I, I'm not crazy about the quarterback at all, and he might end up being the best player in the country over the next two years. I don't know. Uh, but Wake Forest is a program on the come. They had the best season they've had in recent memory a year ago. Uh, got to a big bowl game. Uh, the game is uh, at Wake Forest. And so the line is seven. I'm still taking Clemson. Even though uh, there's a big part of me that doesn't want to take Clemson, I just think they've been in these big games before. And inside the ACC, up until last year, it's been total domination for them. So I take the Clemson Tigers giving Wake Seven. And I know I did not give you guys this ahead of time, so we're working on the graphics. Thank you. All right, Casey, your pick. Yeah, um, you know, I actually had uh, Wake Forest earlier, but I think, I think I'm going to go Clemson, honestly, on this one. No, I want this. On the record that Casey, Casey wants Wake Forest, but he's going to acquiesce to the graphic here, and I'm not going to let him do that. 
He wants Wake Forest in this game, and I'm not going to let Casey, him do that. This is for this is for money for charity. You better get the right. He's worried. He's worried that I'm not going to switch the logo on here, so he doesn't want to make me look bad. And he wants Wake Forest in this game. It's okay, Casey. Well, the thing is, I don't even know if we prep for having Wake Forest in, in there as to begin with. I don't know if the logo is even in the the system. Right, well, so well, well, we know that, that, if you're that's who are you picking? Uh, I'm picking Wake Forest. All right, fair I'm enough. I'm picking Wake Forest. All just, right, you got Wake. I don't care if we got a graphic up there or not. <laughs> just put an X through that thing. Yeah. Just, Casey is going now. Listen, he did pick Wake Forest. I picked Wake Forest. Okay, Brandon. I, I think. I think I'm going Dabo and the Tigers to cover seven. Wake Forest, they might be on the come up, but it's still still Clemson. Okay. All right. Next up, this is a good game. Uh, Florida, Tennessee. Is Tennessee ready for prime time? No. You know, for most of uh, the guys out there my age, men and women who are football fans, there are two school, three schools. You know what? Four schools. That when when we were younger, they were ranked in the top seven every single year and had a chance to play for a national championship. Those four schools were Tennessee, Florida State, Nebraska, and Miami of Florida. Every year they were right there. And I mean for a long time. Tom Osborne at Nebraska. You had Johnny Majors and other guys at Tennessee. You had the great Bobby Bowden at Florida State. And then a whole laundry list of them at Miami. Schellenberger and Schnellenberger and uh, Jimmy Johnson and, you know, all those guys. But none of them have been on the radar in recent years. Is Tennessee ready for prime time? Tennessee is giving 10 and a half. Is that right? Yeah. No, I'm taking the Gators. Ten and a half is a lot of points, man. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of points. And Tennessee and Florida, this is always a game that, 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 uh, that through the years was a great game. I don't know about any more. Casey? Um, I am also taking the Gators on this one, too. I, uh, I believe in Richardson, the quarterback. I know he had a terrible game against Kentucky. But I think Kentucky's just that good. Give me the Gators on this one. Okay. Brandon, he's got the uh, the Gator chop going there. Yep. I'm an LSU guy, so that's weird to do. But Tennessee's not back. I don't know if they'll ever be back. I tell you what, that's that. there are going to be – a lot of people look down their noses and have for years at that uh, SEC East. And, 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 and rightfully so. I mean, it's been Georgia – and everybody else outside of a year here, a year there. And, and, and I mean in the last four or five years, not when Urban was running the show down there in Florida. But, 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 but now all of a sudden, that East, uh, Florida, Tennessee, Georgia's the best of the lot, Kentucky. Okay, who's An next? Anthony Richardson has three tackles and no touchdown passes in the last three weeks. Yeah. Three I, tackles. I mean, Casey keeps talking about this guy. Three he, tackles I mean, and no touchdowns. Good. I watched him play Utah. Yeah, and one, I game. one, <laughs> I one game. That. that was against the Pac-12 um, high school conference. He just needs a pick-me-up, and this, this, uh, this is it right here. Okay. Now we talk about the Cincinnati Bearcats. 16 and a half at home. Against unbeaten out of the Big Ten, Indiana. 
boy, I, I tell you, I, I'm struggling with this one. I don't think Indiana's that great, uh, but I just don't think UC yet. Uh, but you know what? They're going to be home. Crowd's going to be great. Weather's going to be great. Brandon, you're going to be at the game, sold out Nippert Stadium. I will take the C, uh, reluctantly, I will take the UC Bearcats to cover. The That's a big number. 16 and a half is a big number, man. That's Paul, big. I mean, uh, Case, what do you think? I <laughs> I cannot take UC on this one. Uh, I know, I know. Uh, they burnt me. They burnt me, so they uh, they are going to have to – Indiana is going to cover this one. I think they aren't as bad as people make them out to be, but I think UC is also better than what people think. It, it, this one was tough. I think the spread is just too much for me. Yeah, I I, That's it. the only issue. Well, Brandon I, I – I mean, Brandon's going to pick UC every week. I went – hey, I went back and forth. Casey can vouch for this. I almost picked Indiana to cover because I've seen UC struggle in games like this with spreads like this. But I think the Cats are going to get it done. I'm going to be in the stands about 10 Coors Lights deep. That's going to put them over the edge. Cats, Cats by 21. Paul, what are your thoughts on this game? Uh, I would – I'm staying away from this game. I – suggested Indiana yesterday on my show, but this line is too funky for me. I'm not betting this game. Okay, but if you had to. I would take Indiana. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. Uh, I'm not doing it, but I get it. Okay, and, and then this one. Arkansas 3-0. and Everybody expected A&M to be 3-0 and coming into this game. Then Appalachian State ruined that plan. Jimbo Fisher says, everybody's go back. got to go back to the drawing board. We're going to reexamine everything we're doing around here. They have more money than they know what to do with. They have some of the best facilities of any university uh, college football program in the country. Uh, and they find a way, as we said on this program before the season started, they would find a way to stub their toe against someone they should not lose to. Now, having said that, they're at home. Arkansas's look good. Arkansas's got a nice team. They've got an experienced quarterback. They're a physical team. But that line is A&M minus two, and I've got to go with Arkansas here at minus two. I like that number. Case? Um, I actually I actually have A&M on this one. Um, it's a close game, right? It's a two-point spread. Um, I just don't think Arkansas is that great, um, considering how uh, – to me, Texas A&M is closer to a UC than Arkansas is to being a 10th – like the ranked 10th overall, yep. right? Yeah, I, that, I think that's – yeah, I got A&M on this one. Okay. Brandon? I'm taking A&M too, I think, is what I put in the graphic. I, I think Arkansas, good team. They beat UC. UC had their chances, but AM stubbed their toe. But I think they're gonna they're gonna win by I don't know. I don't want to put exact total, but seven to ten. I, I think they cover that easy. Okay. All right. And are we done with the college game? Oh, of course. Oh, come on. How could I, Tom? Could this I? is the grand finale. It is. There's no oh, doubt damn. in my mind the Bobcats are gonna cover this seventeen and a half. Parents' weekend. Uh, everybody fired up. Leaves will start to change in Athens, Ohio, the most picturesque university setting in America. And Prime time at 2 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. How about that? They know. They know. 
I just wish I could get excited about this coach. I, I, we got spoiled for so long. And you can say, yeah, it's not the level of a program of, of Cincinnati or, you know, Ohio State. That, that's obvious, okay? There's no doubt. But for the last 15 years, this was a game that was a slam dunk with Frank Solich running the show. Uh, and, and since he stepped down, they have just not been the same, and they still have really good players, and I don't know what's going on there. But I'll take my alma mater to cover. And you know what? I'm taking the Bobcats, too. boy, boy, Case. I'm going to take the Bobcats Attaboy. on this one. boy. This is going to be their get-right game. Go to two and two. And, uh, we, yeah. Are we going to sweep of OU? Oh, yeah. I think I picked OU in this one. Or did I pick Fordham? Uh, you picked Fordham, but you can pick OU if you want. Yeah, no, I'll stick with Fordham then. Fordham covers. See, the only, reason, the only reason you two guys are ahead of me, really, at the end of the day, is because I pick OU every week, and that was against the likes of Penn State, against Iowa State. And so it's almost been like a layup for you guys. Okay? Hang on a second. It really has. That's the truth. I mean, I, you take away the OU games, and we're all right there together. I picked OU last week. I, I'm saying, I'm saying, by and large, though, you, you have We are not all there right not. together, Tom. Casey's one game behind me, and then you're like four games back. No, not anymore. Not anymore. I think I'm two <laughs> or three back. And those are directly related to Ohio University. Yeah, so okay. th let's recap what happened last night, just to rub it in oh, Brandon's face again. Oh, my gosh, again. you picked the Browns. Wow. Look at that. Now we're tied. I am human. I'm human. Okay, let's go to the next one. Who do we have? We have the Green Bay Packers going to Tampa Bay. I am never in my life betting against Tom Brady, and I'm not starting now. Bucks, bucks, bucks. And, I mean, it's one point. The spread is only one point. It's Give me the bucks all day. Yeah, like, just can't bet against Brady. Um, defense bucks. is too good for the Buccaneers. Aaron Rodgers is going to have a terrible time. Brandon? Bucks. Bucks. Easy. But okay. Yeah, I'm up. All right. Clean sweep. Tampa Bay. The Bengalis giving Cover seven show. against the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. Look, uh, I know I'm an idiot for doing this, but I I'm going to pick the Bengals, and, and, and I'm not comfortable doing it. But I'm going to pick them. And I know you two guys are picking them, so why are we even talking about the Bengals? Well, you two guys are, are, are running around here singing Cincinnati Bengals. That's the team we're going to cheer to victory. You know, I actually I – told, I told Paul here that I was going to bet against the Bengals this week at five and a half. But that extra half point that pushed them to six, I, I just, I don't know. That that just maybe picked the Bengals all of a sudden. Had nothing to do with my homage, Homer, Homerism. But <laughs> Those are all good words, yeah. Casey. Very good. Uh, did I read somewhere, did I see a headline, Paul, and you're the gambling guy? Did I see where 92% of the money is going to the Bengals? Did I see that right? Uh, I have not seen where the money is on this Bengals game yet. Uh, usually I try to look at that on late on Saturday. But uh, that, that would make sense because under a touchdown, the Bengals have been touchdown plus favorites the first two weeks. I know. So at under a touchdown, I kind of feel like I'm on the home improvement thing right now. 
Yeah, right? Paul, like looking over, looking over. Yeah. I feel like I'm on. I'm doing a Tim Allen thing here with home improvement. Well, you, you look to me like you're hiding from the law for some reason. But, <laughs> but okay, you know Tim Allen. That's fine. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I I think it under a touchdown. That's where everybody's picking up the Bengals, and I'm not shocked if that is the number. I'm not shocked. At. Are, are you, you like the Bengals? I like the Bengals under a touchdown. Okay. Yeah, right. I do a lot. Okay. What's next? The Ravens. Ravens v. Patriots. Baltimore giving three. I'm taking the Ravens. Yeah, I think this one's going to be a clean sweep. I'm taking the Ravens, too. I think I have the Ravens. We'll see. Yep, there we go. Right. Never liked nice picking against Bill Belichick at home, though, I got to tell you. I mean, and I know most of those gaudy numbers are racked up with um, Tom Brady there, clearly. But that is almost suicide. Uh, picking against New England at home. But that's a deal. All right. Bills at Miami. Bills giving five and a half. I'm going with Miami. Wow. Oh, wow. Really? I Let's am. Go, Tom. Let's I'm going go, with Miami. Tom. Let's go. I, they're at home. Uh, I think weather will be a factor. Uh, Bill Belichick himself took his team down there five days early. Uh, based on his his players telling him that when they got down that heat there, that, that heat was a shocker. I'm not saying they're going to win the game, but I think five and a half on the road against a Miami team with a lot of confidence right now is too much. Fins. Case. I said this on uh, on not too picky. There's there's some convoluted reason as to why I'm hoping that no, a family God, member down there. Or... No, 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 no. I, I no, won't explain it. Even. I won't get into it. But it's they're gonna break in the game with something. Yeah, yeah, it's some stupid Reddit trend or whatever. Anyways, they're gonna break the trend. And they're gonna win this game. Win this game. They're gonna win this wow. game. Wow! Beat the Bills. Bills major upset. I just I have a lot of faith in Waddle and Tyree Kill. After watching them just demolish the Ravens like that, like they're gonna do that probably pretty consistently. Okay. So that's my pick. All right. Good enough. I'll, I'll go ahead and give Casey's stat form and articulate it. Since the start of 2021, when the Dolphins play against a QB with an O in their name, they last name, they win. When the opposing QB doesn't have an O in their last name, they lose. So they play Josh Allen. Bills it is. Boy, I tell you, we, we've taken gambling and, and, and the analytics of gambling to higher heights. Right out the window. Right out the window. Everything. You should have seen this yesterday, though, Tom. It took Casey like 17 and a half minutes to figure out how to say that. It only <laughs> took five. It only took – and I said it right the first it time. You like guys just couldn't – You guys were yeah. just not able to understand. Oh, yeah. Because it was, so out, it was so out there that you just were like, what is he talking about? But I Casey, said it right the first get, time. I went back and watched it. Married. Never put the blame on somebody else. It's always your fault. It's not hey, you. Before we get to our last – do we have one more pick or no? No, we're done. That's it? That's it. Okay. All right. Well, it's going to be uh, fun to watch. Uh, this weekend's got a lot of good stuff. I mean, if you're a football fan, uh, just to hang out on a Saturday or Sunday, the, pretty much all day long. A um, mm -hmm. couple of interesting games at noon in college football. You got the UC Bearcats at 3.30, Tennessee and Florida, and that mix somewhere around 7, Buckeyes, 7.30, B, Wisconsin. And then Sunday, I mean, Bengals at 1.00. Good games at 4.30. Really good games Sunday night. Buccaneers v. Uh, Rodgers in the pack. 
So fun stuff. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, Brandon. By the way, uh, why are you not here? I just don't like you. Um, no, I got a uh, for the mental game. Get podcast. in line. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> we uh, we got a shoot with um, an interview shoot for the podcast with the Eli Young Band coming up here in a little bit. They're playing downtown where your dad is going to be serving up some Laura's Lean here today. That's at the wellness thing, right? The Kroger Wellness Center? Yeah, Kroger Center. Wellness Festival down at the banks. I'll make sure uh, I tell Marty, hey, from you, and we get some Laura's Lean plugs in there, even jerky. Okay. All right. We'll tell the old boy I said hello. Will um, do. Hey, have a nonstop. great day. Yeah. You do the same. Have a good weekend, my man, and we'll, we'll see you on yep. Monday. Can't okay, wait. Okay, when we come back, Dan Horde, voice of the Bearcats, voice of the Bengals, will join us right here on Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench, presented by uh, United Dairy Farmers. I mean, our, our numbers are climbing, man. Uh, I feel UC doesn't have the best recruiting to pull in some dogs, whatever that means. I have no idea what that means. Their recruiting has been fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, and a big weekend. I'll ask Dan Hort about this, who joins us right now. Danny, welcome to the program. Great to see you, my friend. Um, Thanks, Tom. Good to see you. Uh, one of our viewers made the comment, says, um, it says this is a big weekend for UC basketball. They have two of the top 60 recruits in the country on campus this weekend. Um, obviously, you do the UC Bearcats football and basketball. Just to have guys like that come to your campus in just a year or two of Wes Miller has got to be a really good sign, I would think, right? Absolutely. So, Arrington Page, a 6'9 big man from Georgia, and Jizzle James, son of Edrin James, are the two players that that uh, viewer is talking about. They are both here this weekend. They are both four-star recruits. Cincinnati is also in the mix for the number one recruit in the country, point guard Isaiah Collier. So Wes Miller and his staff are taking big swings. It seems to me they're bound to get some of these guys. If they get any of them, it's a coup. If they get multiple guys, they're going to be able to contend in the Big 12 right away. So kudos to Wes Miller and his staff. They are in the mix with some of the best players in the country. Dan, it used to be, I don't know if it's this way anymore, and maybe I'm throwing you on the spot. Maybe you don't know this. I bet you do know the answer. But it used to be you were only allowed as a high school uh, senior. I mean, you can start visiting when you're a junior, but you're only allowed as a high school senior five official visits. Is that still accurate or is that still the rule? I don't know if that's the number, Tom. There is a limit on official visits. Now, Arrington Page, who's here this weekend, it is his official visit, but he visited over the summer. So some of these guys, depending on where their AAU teams are traveling or the relationships that they have with the coaches or you know their own family's income, uh, will make multiple visits to a school. And like I said, that's the case with Arrington Page. Okay. All right, let's shift gears now to uh, the UC Bearcats football team. You'll be uh, at sold-out Nippert Stadium tomorrow. Uh, Indiana coming into town. Heard some of the comments made by Luke Fickle the other day. Um, he, he really felt, Dan, or at least he said he really felt, that the, the ability to go beat Indiana at Indiana last year before they went to Notre Dame and beat Notre Dame uh, in, in, in arguably the biggest regular season win in program history. 
um, that that propelled them to higher heights last season. What kind of team is he looking at facing Indiana here in 2022? One that looks a lot better from the team that Cincinnati beat last year. You may remember last year, Tom, Indiana started the season in the top 25. Uh, expectations were really high going into that. And the Bears won the game going away. And Indiana only won one more game the rest of the year, and it was against Western Kentucky. They were 2-10 and 10 last year. They were 0-9 in the Big Ten, and they're 3-0 and 0 this year. They lost their quarterback, Michael Penix, who transferred to Washington. He's been crushing it for the Huskies. I believe he's second in the country in passing yards so far this year. So what did Indiana do? They loaded up on the transfers, and they got a lot of good ones, including their quarterback who's starting, Connor Bazelak. He's from Dayton. Went to Bishop Alter High School, started the last two years for Missouri, so he's got SEC experience, and he's averaging about 300 passing yards a game. Their top running back is an Auburn transfer. Their number two running back is a North Carolina transfer. They've got a couple of Ole Miss transfers on defense, so they seem to have uh, had kind of a, a net plus year in the transfer portal. So from a philosophy standpoint, it, it sounds like they have some guys more than capable of running the ball, uh, a quarterback with experience who's capable of throwing the ball. Is, it a, is that kind of their, you know, uh, MO is to, 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 to try to balance that out? Or is there something that you think they believe um, they're able to exploit against the Cincinnati defense that we might see something more of one or the other? It's a passing team, Tom. Statistically, they do have some decent running numbers, but this is a team where the offense is going to look like what UCF has done in recent years. So Bearcat fans are used to seeing this. The wide receivers are going to be as spread out as wide as you can go on the field. They are going to have guys outside the numbers on both sides of the field. They like to take deep shots to stretch the field, to force you to defend you know, every bit of grass, as coaches like to say. Their quarterback, Bazelak, is averaging more than 50 drops per game. He's not averaging more than 50 attempts because there have been some scrambles and some sacks. But he's looking to throw more than 50 times a game in their first three games of the season. I like that coach at Indiana. I, I think he's done a nice job. I still can't for the life of me, and I don't know the backstory or the inside story. Uh, I think it's a shame the Penix kid got hurt um, and, and ends up leaving. As you said, he's off to a great start at Washington. Uh, they had a huge win last week, uh, just hammered Michigan State. Um, and so, you know, uh, good for him, I guess. Uh, as far as UC is concerned, um, the Miami game, and I was listening to you on the radio driving a lot uh, around town that day, um, you know, it didn't start so well. A couple of fumbles by Montgomery there. Um and I want to talk specifically, and this, this isn't to beat up, beat that kid up at all, but, but you and I have talked about this before. That's a crowded running back room with some, crowd, with some very, very talented players there and, and players that want to become the main guy. And Luke Fickle likes having, at least in the past, a main guy. Um, how forgiving is Luke Fickle for a running back who coughs it up twice in the first half of a game? Not very. I don't think many coaches are forgiving uh, when guys are fumbling the ball, and that's been a problem for UC. They fumbled nine times already in the first three games of the year. Now, they haven't lost all of them. Only four have been recovered by the other team. 
but there's some good luck involved when you are, you know, fa falling on an oblong ball that's bouncing in all directions. So that is a big thing that Cincinnati has to fix. In last week's game, they did have a featured running back, really for the first time this year. Chuck McClellan carried 18 times. He topped the 100-yard rushing mark. But an injury helped explain that. Corey Kiner, I guess, cut his finger uh, badly enough during the course of the game that they were a little bit worried about his ball security. So that cut down on his carries last week. I would expect that to be more of an even mix tomorrow against IU. Um, do you think that, and look, I know you don't have a, a, a crystal ball. You say Indiana is better. Um, and, and, and any of us would be foolish to say that UC is better right now than they were last year. That would just be ludicrous to say, but as you, as you're watching this UC team and we talked about chances, they missed in the opener to beat Arkansas. They could have won that game. And they'd be sitting probably in the top 15 in the country right now had they won that game. Maybe even better than that. Um, do you sense when you look at different areas of the team, and it's only, you know, three games in, do you sense this team is starting to gain a little identity, a little momentum, confidence, whatever the word is, that, that, that they're going to get this thing going? I do. I don't think they're going to be as good as last year's team. Last year's team was the best team in school history and made history by going to the four-team playoff. But this team can very realistically go back to a New Year's Six Bowl game like they did two years ago when they faced Georgia in the Peach Bowl. I think that would be an incredible accomplishment after nine guys left in the NFL draft. And I do think that's realistic. You know, the best team outside of the Power Five gets one of those bids to a so-called New Year's Six Bowl game. I think a lot of people thought that BYU was going to be the favorite, maybe, outside of the Power Five to claim that spot, and they've got a loss. Uh, so Cincinnati, despite having a loss, is right in that mix. And I don't see any reason with the way that this team has started to perform and, and with the guys on the roster that there's not a realistic chance that they can't run the table for the rest of the way on. Okay, now we shift gears quickly to the other team you broadcast here in town, that being the Cincinnati Bengals. Really disappointing game again last week. Um, and, and now you hear you come this week. And, and now you're really starting to hear that term, must win. <laughs> Is this a must win in week three of a 17-game schedule? History tells you that it is. Very few teams in NFL history have overcome 0-3 starts to make the playoffs. I don't think any have overcome an 0-3 start to make the Super Bowl. The most recent team to start 0-3 and make the postseason was Houston back in 2017. DJ Reader was on the team at the time. So if the Bengals somehow lose this week, I think he would be the guy to stand up in front of the rest of the group and say it is possible to come back. Uh, but let's face it, if you start 0-3, you are facing astronomical odds. So don't start 0-3. Go to the Jets. You're a favorite. The Jets are better, but I don't think they're good yet. Uh, the Bengals need to get out of their own way, play like they're capable of playing, get the offense untracked in the first half, and take care of business this Sunday. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. I know you're not the offensive coordinator. I know you're not the head coach, but you watch this team play literally every single play over the course of a season. From where you sit and visiting and talking with other people – 
What would be the thing if there's one thing you would do to get this offense going? You know, I, I know a lot of emphasis is on the play calling and the play design, and there's certainly an element of truth to that. But to me, until the offensive line plays better, nothing else really matters. Those guys have to at least be league average, and they have been bad, uh, as anybody can see through the first two weeks. It's not just the 13 sacks. Joe Mixon leads the NFL in carries and touches, but is way down on the list for rushing yards and uh, scrimmage yards, Joe Mixon didn't get bad. Joe Burrow didn't get bad. The offensive line has to play better. You may be familiar with a series that Peyton Manning does on ESPN Plus called Details, mm -hmm. where you know Peyton Manning is the best at breaking this stuff down. I'm, I'm like surfing around on TV the other night, and I see Peyton Manning on Joe Burrow. And he did one of these segments last year, and I wondered, man, is this something new? Are we about to see... 10 minutes worth of Peyton Manning breaking down Joe Burrow's struggles for the first two games of the season. So I clicked it on and it was a repeat of the one that played last year, mm. but I went ahead and watched it anyway. It's only like 10 to 15 minutes long. And what I found really interesting was that the whole thing was from a game against the 49ers last year that the Bengals lost, uh, but Joe Burrow played well and the 49ers played Tampa two in that game or two deep zone differences in that game. Exactly what the Bengals are having so much trouble with so far this year. So it's not like the coaches don't know plays to beat it. It's not like Joe Burrow's not capable of making throws to beat it, but you do need some protection. You need some time. You need to have some semblance of a running game. And I think if they can get those things going this week against the Jets, they're going to be fine. Yeah, I, I just wonder, and you're spot on on that, Dan, about uh, the, this whole Tampa 2 thing. And look, you know, I used to sit around with guys like Brian Billick or Chris Spielman or, or whoever, and, and, and they'd start talking, the, you know, this Tampa 2 or talking about, you know, the A gap. And it, I mean, my head, my eyes would spin around in the back of my head because for the viewer or the listener, unless you're really going to be able to illustrate what that is, there are a lot of people that think they know football out there, and, and me included, and we really don't know that much about football. At least I can speak for myself when it comes to being able to tell you exactly what the Tampa 2 is. But, but you're right. It's been around long enough now where this isn't some great surprise to the Joe Burrows and the Zach Taylors and the, and the Joe Mixons and everybody else on the planet. It all comes down to, and at the end of the day, I don't know if there's, there's a more important word in the English language on any level or walk of life than execution. Are you executing? Uh, I don't mean to be executed, but execution in that are you able to do what you're supposed to do or want to do when that moment in time comes? Are you executing fill in the blank? And right now that strikes me as their number one problem. No question. They are not executing, and it's top to bottom. I mean, it really starts with the offensive line, but even Joe Burrow, as great as he is, has not played well in the first couple of weeks. In week one, obviously, he was turning it over way too much for turnovers on the first five possessions of the season, including a pick six. Last week, I thought that Joe, uncharacteristically, looked a little bit jumpy when the rush began to close in. It's understandable. I mean, he's been sacked 13 times. He got sacked 70 times, including the playoff games last year. That is bound to affect you. But one of his strengths 
throughout his career, going back to his LSU days, is the ability to sidestep a little bit in the pocket, inch up a little bit, move back a little bit. It's not always scrambling to create plays when the pressure's on. It's just maneuvering within the pocket and then delivering mm -hmm. a throw. And I thought last week, the eyes dropped a little bit. He took off at the first sign of pressure. I don't think it's going to be an ongoing problem. Joe always things, but I did think that was a bit of an issue last week. I agree with you 100%. And I think it's human nature, and we talked to Brian Billick about this, um, that I had asked him the question, do quarterbacks get gunshot? Because, I mean, Dan, you're there. I, and just sitting around with my son and my dad last Sunday watching the game, I mean, when they're in shotgun, it seems like the second Burrow catches the ball, when in a blink of an eye, there is somebody all over him. And then I'm, I'm sitting there watching last night the Cleveland Browns. And they were talking over and over about Jacoby Brissett getting the ball out in under two and a half seconds, right? And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if Burrow has had in two games five, seven times total of all the plays they've run. And Lord knows they've run a ton of offensive plays, more than the opposition in these two games. I don't know if he's had five or seven plays where he had two and a half seconds to throw the ball. He has. I know what you're saying. It feels like he doesn't, but he has. And that's another area where uh, you can see why the Bengals have struggled because even when Joe has had a clean pocket, uh, according to the people that you know time these things and study these things, his passer rating isn't good. And in the past, when Joe Burrow has had a clean pocket, his numbers are astronomical. So I believe in Joe Burrow. We know he didn't get bad overnight. Uh, <laughs> if, you know, he, nobody is better suited to address his own weaknesses and fix them in a hurry than that guy is. So I'm confident he's going to be fine, but he does need to have better protection up front. Let's hope it starts this week. They're not facing Micah Parsons this week. They're not facing T.J. Watt this week. The Jets have good depth on their defensive line. We know that Carl Lawson is capable of being a great pass rusher, but he is coming back from a torn Achilles. So I think this is a defensive line that the Bengals' O-line should be better suited to handle. Uh, let's hope so because it's been kind of grim in the first two weeks. Okay, so Danny, before we let you go, we always have to ask you your travel schedule because I hearken back on these weekends uh, and, and what it's like and the nerves and the anxiety and getting up tight. So you, you've got a 3.30 kick tomorrow, right, at Nippert? Correct. Okay. And, um, and, and a, 105, a 1 o'clock game in, in uh, the Meadowlands uh, on Sunday. I don't need to tell you one of the worst places in the world to fly into um, in any of those three airports. When are you leaving? Well, here's the deal. <laughs> I don't like to fly the morning of a one o'clock game under any circumstances. That really makes me nervous, like you were saying. But sometimes you have to do it. Yep. But I just in case, preferably on different airlines, just in case. So there's only one direct flight on Sunday morning to the New York area from Cincinnati. That's not going to cut it. So I'm doing a one-way car rental after the game tomorrow. I'm driving to Indianapolis. I'm staying at a hotel close to the airport. 
I'm taking a 6.30 flight direct oh. to New York on Sunday morning. I'm knocking on wood now. There are multiple backups just in case there's a problem with that flight. I'm confident it will all work out. But feel free to say a prayer for me just in case. I will definitely do so. Uh, I, I share your pain. I remember, the. I mean, I used to get so uptight that, uh, that, that morning uh, deal. Uh, yeah, really uptight. Uh, yeah, so you're going to be all right, though. So safe travels. Godspeed ahead, my friend. Enjoy the great setting, the great weather, the atmosphere tomorrow at uh, Nippert Stadium. And then hopefully you can bring back a, a first Bengals win when we check in next week. Let's talk about two wins next week. That sounds good to me. Amen. Amen. Dan Horde, kind enough to join us. Danny, thank you for your time and, uh, and safe travels. You bet, pal. Thank you. You know, you get so uptight when, when, when you're doing that. You've all been there, right, in whatever it is you're doing. When you just have to, that morning flight, oh, my God, you're getting up at, you know, 3.30 in the morning. You know, he'll be driving from – UC to that hotel in Indianapolis, you're all revved up. Uh, you're a little nervous. Um, you're already getting the anxiety about the flight the next day. So, you know, it seems like you're opening your eye like every hour on that clock throughout the rest of the night if you can get to sleep at all. Oh, boy. Well, do you have a experience that was like the worst experience? Well, I mean, I've, I've had hundreds of them, and, and unfortunately – not necessarily bad experiences, but a lot of nights like I just described, a, a lot of them, uh, especially back in the days when um, I was doing uh, double duty for Fox in baseball and then doing the Arizona Diamondbacks games. So I'd have a Saturday game somewhere, had to spend the night in that town, getting up the next morning and having to fly back to meet the Diamondbacks for a Sunday game day game one o'clock game uh and then the days when i was double dipping uh, of doing um of doing college football for the big 10 network and then nfl games because a lot of those those schools in the big 10 uh are really hard to get out of to to get a flight um and so you had to do a lot of what dan did jump in a car and drive from you know fill in the blank to wherever uh to get somewhere and it's oh but, 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 but going to New York, LaGuardia, JFK, Newark. I travel with a guy on our Fox crew who Monday through Friday is a school teacher in Brooklyn, New York, a guy named Mark Zaguro. Oh, phenomenal guy. One of my favorite people in the world. But he traveled on the weekends and did graphics for us with Fox. He told me, and I travel with this guy every single weekend for probably eight or ten years uh, for Fox Baseball, he told me there was about a four- or five-year stretch where not one flight leaving any of those airports or not one flight going into any of those airports did he make it on time or leave on time. So how do you accommodate for that? In a business like that Nothing in broadcasting – how do you how do you calm your nerves? How do you You don't. You don't, Tom. No, you drink a lot. <laughs> how did you prioritize when you had college games and NFL games that you were doing on the same weekend? How did you prioritize what you were doing when because 
doing these broadcasts, and you did a great segment on it a couple of weeks ago. It just there's so much work. It's an incredible amount of effort that yeah. goes into doing each football. But game. But you like it. But you love it. So yeah. so how how were you able to, you know, for for people that are watching and listening that maybe don't know how the broadcast preparation works? How did you separate what you knew about a college team and not? maybe mix up the NFL wide receiver with the collegiate wide receiver on a Saturday. I know you're paid a lot of money to be able to not do that, but I think that that is a very underrated skill that makes these guys at the top like yourself uh, w the reason that you're at the top. Well, well, thank you for the kind words. Um, uh, but, it, it, you know, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring in – I told you I was going to do this for you because you, you're, you're, you're doing a lot of these high school games and football games. Dayton, so, too, Dayton yeah. football yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah. So – uh, I'm going to bring in one of these days the boards that I make up when I do a football game. And, and, and I, I just think, not because it's me or I'm anything special, because I'm not. But I, 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 a lot of people ask questions like that. Um, and, and I ask questions like that about somebody who might be in this field or that field. Or how do you do this? Or, you know, what, what about that? And I think it's always interesting to be, to be curious, even as you get older. And, and people ask me all the time, well how, well, how do you get ready? How do you remember the names? They always ask is, how do you know the stats? You know, all that kind of thing. So I'm going to bring that in one day, maybe next week, and, uh, and walk through some of that stuff. Figure out how we could do that, though, uh, where you could see it um, with our cameras. Yeah, we'll figure it out. All right, let's see. Um, who else we got? Charlito. Charlito. Como esta, senor? Uh, when your number one is covered, he says, Burrow is too locked on to chase. Have to find Higgins and Boyd over the middle. Joe is not keeping his eyes downfield. Charlito. Muy bien. Muy bien. <laughs> yeah, Let's I, see here. I have Poquito to, Espanol. I have to uh, somewhat agree with him on that. I, I think he's got to keep his eyes up, but... I think he does a good job of getting to his targets, at least at the second half of the Dallas game. I know the first half, you didn't get a target between Boyd or Higgins, but I think that's part of the issue is the line. Like, he doesn't have time to, to look at anyone other than his first read, which is tough. I mean, like, you just can't go in the NFL like that. So I think we'll see a big difference, though, this week, honestly. I really do. I, after mulling on it for a while, I was so down on them Monday. You kind of get into a better feeling by Wednesday. And then today I'm like, yeah, the Bing, Joe's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. He's going to have a great game this weekend. And the Amigos are going to be firing on all cylinders just like they were last year. And, yeah. Okay, the, the if you say optimism so. optimism here. If you, I, I, I'm not buying it. Um, I want to, but I'm not. Uh, I, I keep going back to our, our, our guest the first week of the show, Ruben Brown, pro bowler, nine times, offensive lineman. He says, I'm a show-me kind of guy. Bengals got to show me. Something's missing. Something's missing. Um, Charlito says, I should save, shave my head if the Reds lose 100 games. Are you kidding me? Come on. Come on. Better get the Clippers out. I would do it, you know, like my dad did, and, and Charlito said that, uh, like my dad did for the uh, Dragonfly uh, years ago. 
Uh, let's see. Dustin says, if the Reds don't lose 100 if they don't lose $100, he will donate $250 to whatever charity Tom and the boys choose. Huh. All right, Dustin, you're here every day. We talked about you today already. Thank you so much for that. Um, and uh, 6412 Mars says, a little protection will help. Maybe this week they get it together. Okay. Uh, our buddy Zim Hude is coming on in about 10 minutes. We're going to take a break. Three of us talk about the Bengals a little bit this week. Uh, and then we'll get Zim Hude's thoughts. All that and more off the bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. Stick around. All right. Welcome back to Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. Um, our good friend Zim Hude is coming up shortly. Did all of us pick Ohio State? Yes. And as I recall, um, Paul, you were saying you, you, don't, you don't like that game. Uh, Ohio State and Wisconsin. Yeah, that's another one that I – honestly, I was leaning more toward the total in that game than the, uh, than the spread. I think that spread is just way too big for me in a Big Ten conference game. I know it's at That total State, is 57 and a half. Is that what you have? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I don't have it right in front of me, but it's some, somewhere around there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's... I'm just reading on the athletic website, which, by the way, for those of you, if you're a uh, – and I'm not here to do any kind of commercial for him, but um, if you're a sports fan, and I don't know, a couple bucks a month, I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, yeah, I think it's – I think it boils down to about five or ten bucks a month. Okay, I mean, it's, it, it's beyond description. What they basically did was they went out and hired uh, virtually all of the top sports writers in the United States of America – um, and they follow um, virtually every major university, football, basketball, um, and then all the pro teams in every sport, and they're not limited to the amount of space, nor are they up against a deadline. So I use the Ohio State game just because it's a game tomorrow night at 7.30 Eastern time. Uh, after that game, uh, they'll have, if you jump on there, you know, their writer, they'll, they'll have uh, comments and post-game stuff from Ryan Day and, you know, C.J. Stroud and, you know, all these. I mean, it's just a phenomenal uh, website called The Athletic. So, anyway, um, our buddy Zim Hude is back in the house. I mean, he's got his, his what, what is that on, my man? I mean, you're already moving. Is that called Savage Mode? Is that what that shirt says? Tom, I'm going to need you to get up to par with what's going on right here on ZimHooday.com. We got Savage Mode. I heard you were doing the gritty and stuff. You're in your Savage Mode. You're you're unlocking your inner beast. That's what we're did, Do you have a grade? Did you see the, did you see my my gritty? What, what were your thoughts on it? Be honest with me now, Zim. I mean, I know I'm an old white guy, and if you want to beat me down, you can go ahead and beat me down. But what were your thoughts on that? I haven't seen it yet. I just the guys told me about it. They had some smirks on their faces, so I'm hoping to load that up today. I'm going to check it okay. out. Well, I want to get your opinion because your opinion matters very much to me. Uh, as I get into, do you sell that stuff? Be the, 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 that the, like the, those T-shirts and stuff. Savage mode. Do you sell that stuff? Zimhuday.com. Ask your son. We're rolling out here. You know, we're doing our thing out here, Tom. I'm gonna get you one. You need to wear one on the show. 
No, you know what? I, I'm going to. I'm, I'm not going to ask for anything free. I am going to buy it from you because you're kind enough to to come on this program uh, on a regular basis, and we're we're lucky and we're thrilled and we're blessed you're here. And so I'm going to check in with my son Luke because you and him go go way back. I mean, it's a couple three years now. Uh, he's been talking about you. He's a huge fan. He gets very excited, even though he's in school right now. He'll go back later and he'll watch when you come on. He doesn't care about watching his dad, but he wants to see his main man, Zim Hudate. That's understandable. I mean, look at me. You know, I'm getting sexier. I don't know if we're losing games and, you know, it has like something to do with the sexy appeal on me or whatever. My wife is telling me I'm looking even more handsome every single day. One Your thing wife tells you that? I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Your right, wife tells you that? How long have you been married? Ten minutes? Ten minutes. So I, I, You got me. So Hey, look, you, you got me. But I will tell you this. One thing that I did notice, and I think this might be part of the streak, if anybody's watching this at home, Tom is a little too clean for me these days. I feel like the cut is too clean. You got to scruff it out. You see my beard? If, if we're going to get these wins, we got to go in the trenches on our DJ Reader stuff. We got to get into our inner savage mode, and we got to unlock it. I think you're a little too clean. So what does that mean? Do I need to go T-shirt, hoodie, uh, maybe don't shave, something like that? You have to, you have to give us something. Yeah, if here's you a want perfect. Win. Here's a perfect example. Okay, right here. No, no, I'm going all out. I'm growing it out. Yep, you and, are. And it's you gonna are. grow out all throughout the football season. Okay. Yeah, and then you just wear hoodies like this, and you come in and wear jeans, go. like just come in casual. But in savage mode. Okay. Well, I gotta get some. I gotta get some of uh, Zim Hude's merchandise. Some merch. Is that the word? Is that the hip word? Uh, Zim merch. <laughs> I'm not a fan of that word, but yeah, that's what they say. Yeah, merch. I mean, some dude on here told me today, one of our viewers, Zim, and and look, uh, you're basically telling me uh, in in a nice way that I'm not hip. Uh, that I'm, I'm not cool, and I've been told that before. My wife actually tells me those things, so that's okay. Doesn't bother me. My kids tell me I'm not hip, I'm not cool. But when a viewer tells me that I'm trying to be hip and I'm not as hip as I think I am, that hurts. That hurts. <laughs> Who told you that? Like, God, telling you. The haters are coming out the woodwork, but I, I don't believe that your kids are telling you that, and I definitely don't believe your wife would tell you oh, that. Well, I think you really, really – Trust I me when I really tell you. Hip. If I'm giving you some advice, I would stay away from gritties. I would just keep it to a simple two-step, and I think uh, baby wait, steps. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? <laughs> you would stay away from gritties? Why? You, haven't, you, you said you haven't seen it. I might have been great on it. All right, so, all right, I'm not going to place judgment yet, but based off of the information you've already <laughs> given me, saying I'm an older white guy, you're already setting yourself up for something that I'm going to look at, and I'm going to be like, I don't know about this one, Tom. I don't think you need to go hoodies and stuff. I think you just have to sacrifice something for the greater good of Hude. If you want the wins, you got to scruff it up a little bit. Okay, I'll scruff it up Monday. I'll let it grow all weekend long, and I'll come in scruffed up Monday. Is that cool? If we win, though. You know what's going to happen. Everybody that's watching this now is going to say, Tom, you got to keep the beer going. That's fine. I got no problem with that. Okay. I got no problem with that all right. at all. My wife would be cool with that. And no problems, no issues whatsoever. She doesn't like me much anyway. So, hell, what's the difference if I have a beard or, or don't have a beard? Um, listen, Zim, uh, 
I mean, everybody, including you, lost their minds after the Dallas game last week. Now, all of a sudden, it's the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 who, um, I mean, they're one and one. They pulled off a miracle last week. You got to give credit where credit's due. They did something that hadn't been done in an NFL game in 21 years. Down 13 points with 90 seconds. They win the game. They beat Cleveland. Zim, did it? Do the Bengals get it together this week? And if so, how do they get it together? I think the Bengals do get it together this week. I think the back is their back is against the wall. And I want to apologize. The last time I was on here, I was like, ah, I'm not quite in panic mode. I took a look at those numbers. We're in panic mode right now. Like, the Bengals have to win this game. You know the only other team that went 0-3 in recent memory? Because there's only, like, six. And, and the guy that was on it is DJ Reader, so he probably could tell us a thing about it. Um, outside of that, though, you know, the 2017, I think, uh, Saints with Trey Hendrickson and Von Bell, they went 0-2, and they did make the playoffs. But it, it, it's, it's a tough, tough ask for this team if they lose this game. And I think that this team performs very well with their back against the wall. If you remember, when we were going to go to Las Vegas last year, our back was against the wall in a must-win game. And we came out of that game with one of our best performances all year. I think a lot of the things that the players have said to us that they're talking directly to us and saying, hey, look, they can't, they got to be flexible. They got to switch it up. Maybe we get the ball first. We're not playing conservative, you know, like we're not doing that conservative stuff. But I just think that early on, they need to treat their team as such. We're the more talented team. Let's stop acting like we're not. Let's stop BSing everybody and let's get to what we do. And that's playing winning football with a bunch of winners that I've already won with. And let's not hide behind that. Let's go into savage mode. One of the reasons among many I like having you on here is, and I and I, look, I'm not going to ask you to name names. I would never do that in a million years. You know a lot of these guys uh, away from the field. And I'm just kind of curious. Because um, you are, you know, you're tight with some of these guys is the bottom line. Not all of them, some of them, uh, but do you sense that, that there are any cracks inside this team yet, Zim? No, no, I don't. I, I, the, the one crack that I would sense is maybe player, player utilization. I think that, you know, it's a tough ass. But, you know, you drafted a guy in the first round like Dax Hill, and then you watch him get, like, three snaps. Or you know that Chris Evans is a, is a really good running back, and I think that the player utilization thing maybe behind the scenes is kind of getting maybe into question where people are saying, like, hey, there are some other guys that can contribute to this team. But it's, a, it's always the question I always ask people is, like, okay, if we get these guys in, then who's the guy that comes off the field? And when you got Hilton playing pretty well, you got all these different Trey Flowers playing pretty good. That I think behind the scenes is like players want to play. And when you aren't winning, you're always looking at guys and saying, hey, I need to get these guys into the game. Uh, yeah, and that's going to happen. Uh, but I, I would think that if for some reason, and I don't think this is going to happen, uh, but if for some reason, if they should go to New York and not come away with a win in that game, I don't know. I just, and I'm not down there. I don't know any of these guys socially. 
None of them. Uh, I don't have a press pass. By the way, do you have a press pass when you come into town to get down there? Sometimes I get a field pass here and there, uh, but press pass. I'm trying to get it. Me and you need to link up and get press passes and show the people what they really want to see. You know what? I am going going to reach out to the Bengals PR staff uh, and, and ask about uh, us at Chatterbox, more importantly, you, Zim Hooday, because, you know, look, this is where media has changed so much. Uh, there's the legacy media out there um, that, you know, the, 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 the four big TV stations here in town, and there's you know only one newspaper here in town. But, you know, the bottom line is um, guys like you, are doing as much or more to promote this product and this team and this organization as many of those that are in the quote-unquote legacy media. I mean, you know, one of the rules is, is, is if you get a press pass, you can't go down there and cheer out loud for the team. You're a passionate cat, but you're also a smart cat. And you understand that if you get that pass – you're not going to be running down there and screaming and yelling inside the press box or cheerleading or, uh, you know, saying bad words if things aren't going the Bengals' way. I think guys like you should have a press pass. I really do. Man, I appreciate that. There's a lot of people like me that I think just love football and want to cover the team, man. And I, and I, I think you took the words right out of my mouth. I really, really appreciate that. There's a lot of people that really should be, you know, covering the team. I think it helps them, especially in hard times like this, too, when you don't have quitters in me. You know what I mean? So it's like yep. I, I might keep it real. And like you said, I'm smart enough. Like, I didn't get this far by, you know, running my mouth, like, in, in spots that I shouldn't. So. Yeah, I'm smart enough to know that, hey, it's professional business. We'll handle business. Pack them boys up and get them out of there and send it, you know, like, and, and get our wins, and then I'll talk my trash online or whatever. But I understand. I understand. Her. I understand yeah. that. And, and I think that that's something I'm going to bring up. I'm going to call the Bengals PR staff this afternoon. Uh, or maybe, yeah, I am. I'm going to call them. Um, you, you, you look, I mean, you live relatively in that hood. You look like you're in the White House with like the rose garden behind you on a beautiful uh, sunny day. I mean, uh, that's a big league setup you got there, Zim. People always ask me, they'd be like, where's your Bengals stuff behind? I'd be like, my Bengals stuff is all in my heart. But, you know, I live in the woods, Tom. I'm not going to lie to you. I cleaned out my garage the other day. I'm really, really excited about that. But um, we're do- I'm just doing woodsy stuff these days. and Woodsy stuff. Guy like you. I mean, that's normally, I mean, you know, look, uh, I would never have thought of Zim Hooday as a woodsy kind of guy. What does that mean? I'm a big woodsy, woodsy guy. kind of guy. I mean, you go out on hikes, you go out and, 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 and look at birds and bring your little book around and you're, and you're uh, I mean, I don't see you doing that, but, but maybe I'm wrong. Woodsy, like, uh, help my son on his four-wheeler riding around the woods. Uh, I have a, a koi pond that I've taken into my life, and it's probably my biggest task And filtering and spraying that off and trying to get the water straight and making sure the lawn is good. Like, you know, normal guy, Woodsy stuff. I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm a city slicker. But I've I've been in the woods for a couple years now, and now I'm, I'm I enjoy it though. It's very peaceful. 
Very peaceful. The last question, were those coy? Because uh, you got to guard against that water getting too cold for them, don't you? Yeah, in the wintertime, so I'm, I'm starting to ration off how eating now, so I'm a little bit less. The waterfall actually is like, it freezes the water. Waterfall? You live on a you live on a property with a waterfall into your no, koi? No, 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 no. Not that. Not a not some elaborate waterfall. Like you have to have a flow of fil- filtration, and it goes through like a water, like a little ledge with water coming off. Okay. It's not a big waterfall. It's just a way to clean the water. So okay. the water itself, you don't want it flying in the wintertime because it freezes the water, and the fish get really cold. There's a whole lot of stuff. We'll go through the whole year. I named the pond the Burrow Babies, and if we're losing at halftime, <laughs> your, son, your son will tell you at halftime we go and we all say like a prayer to the football god. So it's kind of symbolic of what we, we we got it when Joe Burrow was drafted, and we've been adding fish, and we've been watching them grow, and all the way to the Super Bowl. So it's one of my little weird things that I do. Have you considered changing your name to Zen Huday? <laughs> I need more Zen. That's where I think you come in. I think there's other people that have been helping me channel that. I, I don't have enough Zen. I'm, if anybody says any trash about us online, Tom, I'm still like, oh, I got to I know you guy. are. I you know, know you. I, mean? I worry about you, Zim. I worry about you. I see you get all worked up. You're a young, healthy man uh, who has to take care of his wife and his son, and, and you're getting so charged up. I worry about you a lot. I fuel off of it. You know, I'm a different type of guy. I've, I've been sent from the football gods to unleash hell on the earth. So don't worry about me. All right. All right. And I'm going to buy some of that. Is there is there somewhere where, where people can um, they, 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 to go to see what kind of – you said you didn't like the word, so I won't use it. Merchandise? Is there oh, somewhere I mean, they can go to see what you have? You're Tom Brenneman. You can use whatever word you want. Everything you say sounds like a damn like like I like if I had a bullhorn or something to it. So like a, a hundred percent elevation of every word, and it's amazing. Right? Merchandise, merch, say it all. But the website is zimhuday.com. Just check it out. Zimhuday.com. I'm gonna check it out. I'm gonna go in and buy some stuff. I'm gonna get the beard going. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm going to, you know, my hair is all falling out. So I, there's only so much I can do. I'm trying to hang on to what I got. Uh, thank God above. I, I'd like to borrow some of that from Zim. Zim, have a good uh, weekend. Get the Bengals a win, and we'll check in with you next week and take care of those, those, those koi out in the uh, pond out there and the waterfall and all that. Much Zim to all of Hootay Nation. <laughs> my man. That's my man. Love that guy. Zim Hude, he's the best. I mean, we came up with the idea of trying to track him down when we're thinking about doing this show. And Casey, you thought it was a good idea. Yeah. You're the guy who actually encouraged me on this. Yeah, I mean, he's Zim. I mean, he, he, he's just a, a character that not very many people... He, he's just one of a kind. Like, he's just someone that uh, people gravitate towards. Yep. Someone that is a leader, yep. a leader, leader of, of men. men. And I mean, uh, he, he's just a, an all-around positive person, too. And he, he really he, is. He'll go to bat for you. There's no doubt. He, he and I, I mean, I wonder if he's losing popularity coming on this show a couple mm. of times a week. Uh, I don't know. I think he's still very popular. But like I said, he, he's going to go to bat for us. He's going to go to bat for you. Okay. 
Well, he's my man. I mean, my, like I said, my son has loved him for a long, long time. And um, he's a good dude. I like him. I really like him. All right. Hope you do, too. When we come back, do, do we have a uh, cherry on top? We do. we do. We've got something ready, ready to go. Okay. We're going to take a break. And then back with our cherry on top presented by United Dairy Farmers. That's right around the corner. Time for our cherry on top segment. As we leave you on this Friday, presented by United Dairy Farmers. What do we have here, Casey, Paul? What do we got going on? So uh, this little uh, segment here um, is kind of going back in time and celebrating a very famous play from LSU. Um, this happened about 15 years ago, and it was one of the greatest trick plays in college history. All right, let's check it out. LSU. So Cole David, who missed badly from 42, is on to try his second of the day from 32. Matt Flynn will hold. And it's a fake. They give it to David, and he heads for the corner. Touchdown, LSU! They saw something in film. You watch it. Flips it over his shoulder. And there it is. This is almost a walk-in. Go downfield. Jacob Hester's in there. Watch this. Matt Damon's just like flipping the money in Ocean's Eleven right over there to the next guy. Wes <laughs> Miles. Yeah. I can't, I can't believe that was 15 years ago. That feels like yesterday. I, was, I mean, that's one of the more famous fake uh, field goals in, in college in recent memory. And Matt Flynn... Uh, who was the holder there? He called out Roxy, which was their basically their their play call as they went up to the line. So the kicker there, I think it was Colt David. Yep. Uh, Colt David did not know until right before they snapped the ball that that was going to be a fake. Uh, he just read it right at wow. the line and and snapped it. And, and faked look, it. if that's 15 years ago, uh, Matt Flynn was a, a a two year starter there. So I don't know if it was that year or not. But I, that had to be the year that they beat Ohio State to win the national championship, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll double-check that, but it's, it's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Because Les Miles was a head coach. That would have been – no, oh, yes, yes, that was the next year. It was the next year. Yeah. After they won it. Uh, hold, on. hold on, hold on. I thought Matt Flynn was a senior hold when on. they won it. Yes, uh, Ohio State and LSU. Yes, that was that game. You're right. Yeah, and you know what's amazing is it, it, if you go back and look, and I, I broadcast that national championship game down in New Orleans. Boy, do I have some incredible stories uh, about that week. But if you want to talk about complete and utter chaos that year, and there, there will never be another year like it again. Uh, it, well, who knows? Um, the only chance it has is if, we're in the era of the four-team college football playoff because going into that weekend, uh, the last weekend of the season, regular season, Ohio State and LSU had both lost. Not at the beginning of the year. They had both lost in roughly about you know, the two-thirds way through the year, three-quarters of the year. So they had both slipped down to like number eight and number ten. And in those last two weekends, the regular season and the uh, conference championship games, every single team ranked ahead of them lost. 
And that's how Ohio State wound up playing LSU in that national championship game that year. It is mind-boggling what happened for those two teams to play in that game. And I mean LSU just massacred Ohio State in that championship game. Les Miles, the Jim Trestle. Uh, Okay, fellas, time to get rolling. Uh, Have a great weekend. Paul, thanks for sitting in today and all your hard work. Casey, thanks as always, my man. Yeah, no problem. Absolutely. You hanging out with your father-in-law? You got him a new tumbler and everything? I did. We got to initiate the tumbler, pour a nice cold one in there, watch the Jets game, and we'll get the W. They better, or you aren't even married to his daughter yet. You've already lost his favorite tumbler, and I mean stuff could go major league south in a hurry. In a hurry. In a hurry, if not already. Uh, God bless you and yours. Hope you have a great weekend with those that you love the most and that love you. We thank everybody here, Casey, Paul, Brandon, our executive producer, Trace Fowler, everybody at Chatterbox Sports. Big high school football night tonight. Fairfield trying to stay undefeated against Princeton right here. Check it out. See you Monday.